back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and Sean Tober marches on. Joining us, of course, is the man himself, Sean Glennon. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great. Uh, word on the street is you uh, you got a big mouth billy bass in your home now? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I do. Um, I mean, until... Friday when it's trash day, uh, it'll be here for a little bit longer. But. Do you, have you have you hung it in your uh, in your foyer or where? It, like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a focal point, right? Like maybe above the mantle. Yeah, I I, I put it uh, in a central walking place so that uh, I get to hear it chirp like every. That's uh, good. Five minutes. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I need a plastic fish to look at me and sing, "Don't worry, be happy." <laughs> that always cheers me up. Do you actually have one in your in your in your home, Steve? Oh, yeah. We used to. We used to have one for like uh, many moons. When when Cuff and I lived together, we had. Uh, I thought we probably had the thing for damn near a fucking decade. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Steve. I remember. I think Steve, did you have it in on Oakland? Uh yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. And I know when we lived on on Vine Street in Kalamazoo, we had it like it was like above the like the walk into the kitchen so basically like if you were just going through our house in any capacity if it was turned on it would sing at you and then our mm -hmm. roommate didn't like it so i think at some point he like i don't know if he ripped it off the wall or just took the batteries <laughs> out but I, I don't think he was too happy with it which i don't understand yeah. again like what you don't like the talking heads take me to the river like come on yeah, I, I think in California it was mounted over the guest bathroom, but uh, mm -hmm. at, at some point it just stopped singing. So that's yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. It is too bad. It's it's hard to find a working one these days. I had to I had to scour eBay, but also it's my my go to housewarming gift. You know, whenever a friend moves and you just, you know it's hard because you buy a house, you're like, fuck, I got to put furniture in here. How am I going to furnish <laughs> this beautiful home? And I'm here to assist, uh, but that's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you love it. I'm sure your wife loves it too. Uh, it's, it was the know, missing piece. It was, it is. Uh, and you know, it's, it's something that can bring everybody together, you know, like maybe one day you and the missus will have a big blow up fight and you just got to take a, take a step in front of that fish and, and let him, let him soothe your pain and kind of stitch things up for you. So, uh, yeah, Adam Myros is back of course, as well, uh, here to talk about one of his favorite filmmakers, David Dakota. So this is exciting. I know you've been hyped for Dakota week for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essential to me. I mean, sure. Is, is are, are, Did we watch any good films? Not necessarily, but I, I think it's important in Sean's journey to uh, understand one of the more prolific voices uh, in, in horror in the last... Uh... Yeah, he is quite the interesting guy. Um so just a little bit of his background, he, he grew up in Portland. He actually has dual citizenship uh, with Canada. Uh, he's adopted and his father was full blooded native American and his white mom died. So he was just this like weird gay white boy <laughs> among a native American family, uh, huge cinephile, like worked in local theaters and he was a member of the Roger Corman fan club. So he would just like write Roger Corman letters and, and would correspond with Roger Corman. And then Roger Corman at some point was just like, hey, you know, when you when you turned 18 or whatever, if you're ever down in L.A., I got a job for you. So uh, when he was 18, uh, Dakota moved down to L.A. and just started working for Roger Corman. And he worked along other greats like Jim Wynorski, uh, Bill Paxton, James Cameron. 
and uh, really cut his teeth doing work with Corman, all kinds of shit on set. And Dakota actually, and this is going to sound like a major shock, Myros, but uh, wouldn't you know, he learned most of the nuts and bolts of, of low-budget filmmaking from working on about 30 or 40 different gay pornos. So Yeah, yeah, th this is uh, not surprising news. And I think more than I associate him with Corman, I associate him with the Charles Band. Oh, uh, of course, of course. Yeah, arm of the, uh, the trash cinema. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, he actually, you know, his first uh, script that he sold and, and when he became a director, he was directing uh, gay pornos. He did some straight pornos, too. And then his, his bridge, because if you want to get into, you know, more mainstream filmmaking, you, it's, it's easy to start with a horror film, especially during that decade, because people were buying them up left and right. You didn't need name actors. You could just kind of go with it. So that's when he hooked up with Charles Band. He basically, he wrote the script for Dream Maniac, which was designed as a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff. And uh, Band got a hold of him and it's just like, hey, listen, make the movie. Uh, so he made it in like two weeks for 30K or something ridiculous. And then uh, Band reimbursed him the 30K, gave him a little bit of a licensing fee and said, just yeah, keep making movies. And that was sort of the evolution of David Dakota because, you know, Corman and the pornos taught him how to make films on a, in a technical sense, but Band was more of a, a film salesman than a filmmaker. So that's that marketing aspect he really learned from Charles Band, and specifically Band would he would he would get a good title for a movie, and then he would create one piece of like key art, poster art, whatever, and that would be the movie. You know, you'd build the script around whatever the fuck it was. And that is a great entry into where we landed now because one of the movies we're covering this week has an incredible title. Um, I will say, yeah, though, yeah. that uh, <laughs> David Dakota, uh, famously gay filmmaker, and it's quite evident, especially if you watch his later work, but uh, when Band first started working with him, he... he bought dream maniac and watched it and said yeah it's okay why all the naked guys he just did <laughs> charles band had no idea <laughs> and uh dakota didn't he didn't come out until he was about 30 or so but i think it was one of those things where you know everybody probably knew so is corman like the uh <clears throat> the thematic tie for the month i think so uh it wasn't intentional but also i feel like if you're circling around this low budget B movie auteur from 60s, 70s, 80s, like literally three decades of filmmaking, you're gonna land on Corman. Like everything goes back to Corman. Um, there just weren't a lot of studios that specifically created these cheapy independent exploitation films. You know, I mean, there's obviously there was like independent filmmaking, but it was like crews assembled for a very specific you know, purpose and movie. Uh, whereas Corman was really one of the only filmmakers who had a studio system, had crews ready to go. Uh, and then later Charles Band kind of followed in those full uh, in his footsteps with Full Moon Studios. But um, yeah, if, if you wanted to be in a baby version of a big studio system, you kind of had to hitch your wagon to Corman. So uh, yeah. 
So he is he is in the DNA of all these guys. And if you look at the people that that came out of that too, I mean, I mentioned Wynorski, but Fred Olin Ray, like all these guys, or if you hop on their IMDb page, you're like, holy fuck, you've made like 120 movies. How is that humanly possible? Because they came yeah. from the Corman yeah. factory. <laughs> and Fred, Fred Olin Ray is somehow followed a similar career path as uh, Dakota, where he's now making these like fucking uh, Hallmark movies. <laughs> and you're like, what yeah. the shit? Fred Olin Ray and David Dakota. <laughs> amazing, right? And, and this yeah. is why I love David Dakota so much is not because he's, you know, this technical dynamo, uh, you know, a fucking king of no. formalism or, <laughs> you know, he makes no. these great movies. But one, you can tell that he's a guy, he's like Wynorski, where it's almost like a compulsion. Like, he just loves making movies. And that's cool, you know, to see a guy who's a cinephile and he wants to tell these stories and they might be quick and they might be cheap and they might be fucking sleazy, but it's the story that he wants to tell and he's going to fucking tell it. The other thing that's great about him is, you know, as someone who shares very little in common in terms of film taste with, say, my parents or my siblings, uh, David Dakota can bring any family together. You know, like this is the guy who made sorority babes in the slimeball bowlerama, but he also made like Christmas kiss and talking cat. Like he's made all of these Hallmark movies, Lifetime movies holiday films, kids movies, and then the sleaziest scuzzbag stuff, uh, gay porno, straight porno. Like, if you watch movies, at some point in your life, David Dakota has graced your screen. Like, even if it's through osmosis, you have absorbed some of this man's cinema. And I don't think there's a lot of filmmakers out there that you can say that about, that in some capacity, he has touched literally everyone, which is it's just fucking wild. But here we are. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll start off with sorority babes in the slime ball bowlerama. Yeah, which seems, I suppose, like an odd inclusion. And I, I will admit, uh, oh, this is a bit of an odd lineup for Dakota because, well, a he's made like fucking three hundred movies, so it's kind of yeah. difficult to settle on uh, things. Three. We wanted to represent certain eras and also stick more towards horror, but. Uh, to be uh, perfectly transparent, we did not include Dream Maniac or Creepazoids because uh, we're planning uh, some extensive uh, knockoff uh, casts for next year, and uh, we don't want to burn those. We want to keep them in the chamber. <laughs> Got to keep them in the chamber, yeah. He had, he had a long and storied career of making movies like this. I, I think as far as like knockoff films go, he's he's got to be the king on the American side of things. Obviously, we got some Italian champions out there doing the Lord's work, but uh, yeah, Dakota really, <laughs> I mean, he, he basically, uh, it, most of his early films were him going to Charles Band or Roger Corman and being like, hey, I like XYZ, so I want to make this. Um, even Creepazoids, originally he brought it to Charles Band because he was like, hey, I like Ghoulies, and so I want to do a knockoff of Ghoulies, which in and of itself kind of felt like a knockoff movie, so uh, just dupes of dupes. Really, really special stuff. Uh, but Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bowlerama, it's, it's not a, a knockoff of anything in particular, but I love it because it's, it's a little scuzzy, it's fun, it's light, it's got horror elements, it's cheap as fuck, but I think it's this perfect encapsulation of what a 1980s 
direct to the video store shelves film is and can be like there is sure. nothing more definitively 1988 than this movie uh yeah it just, feels really of a piece with uh chopping mall uh Wynorski's effort which i believe yep. is also uh in the same uh charles band <laughs> universe here but yeah yeah it's not as good as that film mind you uh but it still feels of a piece it, it, hell they might have been shot at the same place for all the fuck I know. oh probably that's I, that's honestly what i was thinking i was like is this the same mall from chopping mall and the answer is yeah probably it's just some fucking dumb mall in the valley somewhere that lets them shoot <laughs> after hours for like zero money um but yeah like it, just all the the little elements that are floating around here you've got I mean, Linnea Quigley and Brink Stevens, you've got this, uh, oh, nerds and babes <laughs> kind of set up. Everything is dirt cheap. Like the, the house that is a stand-in for a sorority house and the, like, I guess what is supposed to be a dorm room for these nerdy guys is just fucking ridiculous. Like, it's clearly just <laughs> some guy's spare bedroom. Uh, it, it's, it's really, really chintzy. Uh, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's shot in 35 millimeter, so it looks pretty fucking cool. Uh, it's got these nice gore effects. It's got yeah. this just real goofball monster uh, because, you know, you, you can't just have like a, a normal slasher setup or something. It's like, no, there's an imp trapped in a bowling trophy. Uh, and then I think one of my favorite things is you ever watch a movie and you think, oh, this is like super cliche or whatever, but then you kind of come around to the realization that now this is probably one of the earliest examples of this thing, but something about the janitor just seems like a character that has been copied and parodied in horror films for literally like almost 40 years now. And to see a character like him where he's just like part deaf and kind of dumb and he's got these goofy cracks and you're like, what the? It's it's just another thing. It's like, oh, this is uh, David Dakota kind of <laughs> inventing of a, what became an archetype. He's also he's he's sort of an actor's director. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure they're all who just has uh, never hired an actor <laughs> knocking on the door to work for him. You know, it doesn't matter that you don't really get paid very much or at all. Um, it's more about the experience and the, the growth as an artist. You can see that coming through here. <laughs> well, this janitor is is Buck Flower, who you'll recognize from. He worked with Carpenter quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Carpenter needed someone to play a demented hobo, then Buck Flower <laughs> was getting the call. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's great at that role. And then, I, I mean, I mentioned like Brink Stevens and uh, Linnea Quigley, who are just two all time great scream queens who could not act their way out of a paper fucking bag, but they <laughs> just, um. I, and I don't know if it's their willingness to not wear shirts or what it is, but they 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 do have a real screen presence that I respect. Like you throw Linnea yeah. quickly on my screen, I'm automatically interested in whatever the fuck having, she's doing. You can tell they're having fun here, or mm-hmm. at least uh, they're bringing a presence to 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 the film because um, it does have an energy. Okay with that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Totally. Totally. Well, the, um, don't forget Michelle Bauer as well. There's another very prolific screenplay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, they're who they're will, all who here. will uh, oh, unfortunately all three of these women will also be part of the second film we discussed, <laughs> but but here uh they're having good fun. <laughs> yeah. And it really does. It's I mean it's got 
it, it like you said, Sean, it's got a real energy to it. I think it, it takes a little bit to get going the first 20 minutes or so. It's it's maybe spinning its wheels a little bit. It, but the way that David Dakota spins his wheels is like my kind of bullshit. Um, what it's like, okay, well, we're going through this sorority initiation to get to this ridiculous plot point where they have to steal a bowling trophy to get into the sorority. But, uh, just because the setup is Dave was able to secure a mall with a bowling alley in it. So how do we get them there at night when I can shoot after hours? It's great too. I love, I love him just like kind of working backwards to, to create everything. But yeah, it's like, what, what does he do? Well, He's not a man who is particularly interested in the female form. So that also comes through. Like it's it's kind of and, and it becomes very explicit. Like I think the further along in his career that he gets, um, and and the the cheaper his movies get, and and the faster he's turning them around, uh, the less, um, like i don't know dedicated he is to hiding his various fetishes and interests in his filmmaking it's called late style. and with this yeah it's right <laughs> we're, we're doing a new spinoff podcast on late style and the first the first episode is david dakota's 1313 series <laughs> no uh <laughs> how to sync a podcast before it even starts no um but watching him in some of his earlier movies and and how he just presents male and female bodies i i love with women it's it's always so over the top like it's it's sexualized but in a way that i i wouldn't say it's childish but it's just like it's this kind of ab abstraction of them so you've got this scene where i guess it's ostensibly supposed to be sexy but it isn't where they're getting paddled by their sorority sisters on their on their asses while they're wearing these uh, like comical crop top shirts. But then the transition from them sitting on the couch and getting kind of he's like shooting it from behind. So they stand up and you realize they're wearing these crop tops with extreme underboob. It, it, it doesn't read sexy. It's just it's silly. It's camp. And then when they're getting their asses paddled and the guys are leering like, well, like, again, it's not sexy. It's just like super super hyper zoom like the the frame is just full-on ass just kidding both, uh, both that scene and then the, the bath scene that comes not too long after um it's like an adolescence idea of mm -hmm. what this scene should look like or like you know sex or whatever uh, for sure like the sort of like pinup kind of stuff it's like before you really know anything um it's yeah 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 uh, which works so, i mean because that's really the audience for this sort yeah, of film yeah, i mean right. it, it, as much as it might be rated r it's it's not for a fucking adults no right. no not at all and, and this is this is great stuff too and i feel like uh, people of a certain age from a certain era they probably their first exposure to Degato was yeah you're fucking 13 14 15 years old and you rent something from the local video store and i mean this is perfect it, it, you if you see this poster you see this title you see the names like oh linnea quigley sorority babes slime ball i'm, I'm fucking loving this uh it's got an amazing poster like everything about this is just screaming out like this is actually for children um and then uh, something else i was thinking about too was uh <laughs> i there's all these like news stories now of like literally like state governments uh, suing 
TikTok because it's just like, oh, like you say this is for, you know, adults or whatever, but clearly you're you're creating things that are targeting children. And it's like, how how many times do we have to go over this? Like, fuck it, of course they are. <laughs> this is how these this is how exploitation films work. This is how cigarettes work. This is how TikTok works. Like, we're just we're just going in the same circle over and over again. It's like, yeah, sorority babes in the slime ball bowlerama. That's rated R for adults. Wink. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, all those adults are real interested in slime and bowling. It's just like, yeah, man. It's just, <laughs> it's, just a, it's a very infantile uh, pursuit. And mm-hmm. the better for it uh, to some extent. I mean, there are limits, but yeah. this is, it, it's just content to, to be a fucking dumb piece of shit fun movie. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, you, you put it on and have some friends kind of the background yeah um like the, it, it works well for that every once in a while you talk about what's happening um did you know that brink stevens made a sequel uh quote unquote in 2022 i did know that i did know that um i have not seen it and i'm i'm familiar with his existence but that's that's about it and linnea quigley came back for that too i think right uh, maybe <laughs> don't know i'm looking at it now i don't see linnea quigley no no linnea quigley i see michelle bauer yeah i think quigley's the whole busy (laughs) quigley's the holdout she needed too much oh no she's on it oh is she she must just be down the cast list yeah Yeah. Um, must be a cameo (laughs) maybe uh well it's only 61 minutes i think hard to get more than a cameo from anyone at that length um (laughs) uh maybe we should do brink stevens's uh Reform three film filmography next uh October. Oh yeah. Next October. Let's do it, man. I'm I'm already thinking about next October and stuff I want to cover. So yeah, if, if we have to do the cinema of Brink Stevens, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly one of the great underrated uh I think, we could, I think we could do it in about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> the whole filmography. But anyway. the whole filmography uh yeah. yeah um this is yeah this is exactly uh what you think it's gonna be and that's not bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it really is like you're you know exactly what you're getting into there's no surprises here but it's just it's just a good time like if, if you've got a six pack and yeah. a couple hours to kill on a on a random like friday night like fuck are you kidding me it doesn't it doesn't get better than this this is just it's it's comfort food, you know? It's like I don't know. It's it's nothing special, but goddamn, it's like a big bowl of mom's chili. It's fucking <laughs> great, man. Yeah, and it becomes interesting uh in is a greater war of uh of Dakota uh because it's just like you can see the, the way his gaze works. It's just it's yep, this is a homosexual man's gaze. It, it's so like <laughs> flat and joyless <laughs> when it's depicting these screen queens or screen queens in uh just like these these perfunctory nude scenes it's just like mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing to it it, it just like it, it completely detaches in a way that it, it, you're just not used to usually there's such central like focal points in these sorts of films but uh, not in not in dakota's work uh I think no. we'll look, when we look at the last film, it becomes very clear uh, what uh, he's looking at and interested in, and it really brings some uh, joy out of his work a little bit more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, even though this does do like we said, like exactly what you think it's going to do, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, you can tell he's not. Uh, he, he's he's not quite the the technician of his of his peers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something like chopping mall will you know easily uh, give you a a better time at the movies, but yeah. Yeah, uh, Warren Orsky's just a, a more yeah, he's a lot more gifted natural filmmaker. I mean, I I think Dakota has no illusions. Like considering like the only quoted is Wikipedia is like I always wanted to make what I could sell. <laughs> it's just like they didn't <laughs> yeah. enter the business as like Wynorski did where Wynorski became that guy in his older age where he was like fuck it, <laughs> it'll make money. <laughs> like he walked in like, "Oh, I really want to do this." And I I feel like uh, Dakota always saw it as business and would just kind of fucking do what needed to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's he's it's really workmanlike. And uh, will I guess that's as good a transition as any because you want to talk about workmanlike? What we could talk about Nightmare Sisters, which is oh, uh, one of the the most uh, flat films I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like it is just. It's so great. <laughs> it, it, this thing is holy shit. Like I'd like to see the shot list for this. It, it would be every scene would just have one setup. <laughs> you didn't well, have to get past a uh, <laughs> the fucking <laughs> shot list. Marius, let, let me tell you a little bit about Nightmare Sisters. Uh, well, first of all, this is a film that uh, fits into one of Optimism Vaccine's favorite fixations, fascinations, subgenre, which is I guess I'll call it exploitation. Russian nesting doll cinema. And this is when a filmmaker is making one movie and then using the actor's location set as, you know, what resources you have around you, making another movie while making the movie. And this is how we got Nightmare Sisters because you've got the three female leads from Sorority Babes and Slimeball Bolarama. That wraps. It was a quick shoot. It was done efficiently on time. They still had some, you know, they had the actors available still. Uh, they had the camera. They had extra film stock. And they go, okay, well, what can we do? Found a producer. Producer said, okay, you can use my house. Great. Awesome. So they pick up everything from Sorority Babes and Slimeball, take it to this producer's house, and they make Nightmare Sisters. And it's made in exactly four days. So, um, what does as, that look uh, like? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> after I watched this, I, I read uh, Will, Will Sloan's uh, letterbox uh, review, which said, um, you know, a lot of what you just said, it was shot in four days, which begs the question, what happened to the other three? <laughs> <laughs> right? I, maybe That's, they I just mean, had like one film on canister or something. They just could not fucking <laughs> set up any alternate shots it's just like this is a baffling goddamn thing like i i swear like that scene where the three of them are just sitting on the couch uh just centered frame it doesn't cut away to, there's no alternate angles it's just a straight on it's flat shot of them sitting on a on, on a couch against a wall and I think it's 10 minutes long. I, I, it is. It is. David Dakota invented YouTube. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is. And I love, he, he gave, he's given like a shitload of, of really, really great interviews. And he's done some amazing uh, DVD commentaries too. Like Dakota's a smart fucking guy. Uh, yeah. Very insightful, very articulate. Uh, 
highly, highly recommend if, if you find an interview with him, fucking read it. If you've got one of his movies uh, on, on DVD, Blu-ray, listen to the commentary track. He's an insightful motherfucker. But my favorite quote from him on Nightmare Sisters is he said, um, quote, I read a review that compared the style of this film, Nightmare Sisters, to that of watching a security camera feed. <laughs> and they were completely wrong in that assessment because the security camera usually moves from side to side. <laughs> like, God damn it. <laughs> so what is his deal then? Is he like trying to like carve a new language? Is he just like making shit? Because like you said, he's just trying to make something that's going to sell because it's nighttime sister or nightmare mm. sisters. Um, yeah. I, and it fit, you know, the, the epoch. Um, I, what is his... What's his goal here? Because this is a bold, bold statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, make. it's it's not quite horror. It's not quite comedy. It's not really softcore. It's just no. like I, I don't know what the fuck it it's is. It's just is what it is. Yeah, yes. it, it's it goes on forever. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like a YouTube essay on the dangers of heterosexual sex. Like that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, and I mean, again, you want to talk about like the absence of gays and eroticism in this thing where you have like three of the most prominent scream queens of the era like it, it, there's like a fucking uh, 10 minute long bathtub washing scene that is like the least sexy thing i've ever seen in my fucking life it's like a yeah. fucking like grotesque like clumps of a bar of soap just like stuck to them and it's just like Oh, God. will this <laughs> fucking end? Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because especially if, if you watch his later films, we're, we're going to be talking about one of those in a little bit. Um, here's a man who just lovingly, lovingly shoots the male body oh, yeah. uh, taking a shower. Like, no one has perfected the guy taking a shower shot like David Dakota. And somehow, <laughs> like, three of the most iconic uh, just like sexy badass horror scream queen. He he sticks them in a bathtub after like covering them their naked bodies with fucking whipped cream, and you're just like, this is gross. Can someone like mop the floor? Like what's going? On? <laughs> it's just like fuck. And and because this is like an actual person's house, it the whole thing is just like the set is staged in a really weird way. Like there's all these posters that. I mean, it feels like someone actually lives there because someone does live there, but the person who lives there is clearly not like Linnea Quigley and her friends. There's just like, like there's some ridiculous fucking poster that because the camera doesn't move, you see repeatedly, but it's like, it's a riff on, it's like a joke poster from the album cover of Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, but it's got fucking buckwheat on it. It's, it's just like <laughs> buckwheat in the USA. And then so it's just like weird because it's Buckwheat the USA and then titties and nothing's happening. And it, it really is fucking wild. Also, and until we get to the titties, what the fuck? Whose call was this to be like, all right, what we need to do is uh, we're going to make uh, fucking Michelle Bauer uh, wear 35 sweatshirts and, and pretend she's fat. <laughs> Fat <laughs> Michelle Bauer fucking rocks. And Leia Quigley can have these fucking gas station fucking wax hillbilly teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's like what the fuck is this movie? I, 
love, 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 love the way that he like gives them each their own ugly personality. Yeah, it's like, well, this one's a nerd. Linnea Quigley is an untalented bucktooth musician. And then, yeah, the uh, <laughs> it was just, yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to put this beautiful woman in 27 sweatshirts and then toss a dashiki over her <laughs> and just be like, okay, this is, uh, you, you're just a big potato chip fatty. Uh, it's real, real. Yeah, with like the shit. sound effects, they're like, boom, 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 boom. It's like every time she sits down, it's like, it's like, this is just, what is the tone of this fucking movie? Whatever yeah, it is. the sounds that fat dudes make. Like, this is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, the, it, from the start, it is just a fucking assault on the senses. Like this uh, the fortune teller scene. What a nightmare. Everything. Is it, nightmare belongs in this title. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I, Sean, I know you're a big fan of the opening of Nightmare Sisters. Because, like, anytime <laughs> you get, like, a fucking white guy talking like a poo, <laughs> that's a fortune teller. Sean Glittis is like, sign me the fuck up. So, uh, yeah, you, you love, you love that intro, right, Sean? It's, uh, <laughs> it's so maddening to think about. Uh, I, you know, it, it's, you know, you feel like you're being pranked or whatever. It's like, uh, um, where's Ashton Kutcher kind of thing. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's not worth it. It's not, it's not. Whatever, no. whatever the squeeze is, or whatever the juice is, it's not worth the squeeze. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's just one of the most grating things I've ever seen. And then it just is interminable. And then, yeah, after, yeah. And then followed by that uh, is uh, is what feels like another five minutes of opening credits because <laughs> you gotta push this past the eighty minute mark. Or yeah, whatever. Because this movie is actually like fucking sixty five minutes long. <laughs> And if it were edited properly, it would be about 40. Mm-hmm. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If even, uh, I didn't know that it was the same year as uh, Bolo Rama. Oh, yeah. I mean, the same week, Sean. That's- <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, the, that's yeah. the danger. You can't attribute any sort of like intent to this production. It was just like, we have no time. We probably don't have any film left. You know, it's just one setup fucking shoot it we're done we're moving the fuck on and yeah you feel every goddamn choice that was made in this movie like in this production like it, it just sucks i blame jack yeah. eason because he uh he he requested like we were looking for suggestions because we had kind of uh sawed off so much of his uh cinematography that that i've seen uh and jack was like oh nightmare sisters that's a, that's a fun one I think Jack must have seen it when he was like seven years old or something. Because right. Jesus Christ, this is this is the opposite of a fun one. <laughs> and it's not like you know when I hear like um, the like I have this house or whatever, and I'm gonna make like three movies in a week. Uh, you know, you, you, your mind goes to Joe D'Amato, previous mm-hmm. uh, Sean Tober uh, um, feature, but. Uh, you know, like his movies were like they've managed a way to be distinguished uh, between each other in some ways, and uh, but even even when it's kind of hard to to think, when it's hard to remember which one is which, uh, like when you're actually watching them, there's there's like uh, there's energy behind what Joe D'Amato is doing. Like he's seen, maybe it's like maybe maybe he was just like you know 
on drugs that David Dakota wasn't, but um, <laughs> it was, you know, uh, you could tell, you, it, it felt like somebody who wanted to make something interesting, whereas this is, yeah, this is uh, got to be the worst worst thing we've ever watched um, in Sean Tober. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it, I think it might be, uh, and that is, yeah, not not the highest bar to, to leap over, I guess. But it's it, this is uh it's wretched. It it, it really is, oh, yeah. and I, I think it, we're sending uh, Jack Easton to horny jail for this suggestion. Like, <laughs> yeah, with I, his little Irish dick. I suppose I would say that as something that exists, like as a co-production with uh, Slimeball Bolarama. I mean. To say that I couldn't draw a distinction between the two would be dishonest because that one is a movie and this one is like a fucking six-year-old set up a camera on a tripod or something. Like it's just baffling how amateur this thing is. Oh yeah. Now we're we're definitely <clears throat> with those two movies. You get the the David Deca highs and the David Deca lows. So you know you gotta you gotta you gotta show everyone the the full spectrum here, but. Yeah, I I don't know. There's there's a few things that I I laughed at just because they are so shoddy at some point. You know, it 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 starts to break down your your brain and takes you to this very primitive level uh, because it is so grating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you but, put this uh, if you put this on, you know, when you got friends over in the background, um, <clears throat> you won't have those friends anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, if if you're interested in this. I would recommend MrSkin.com instead. I would recommend actually uh, Linnea Quigley's Horror Workout. You guys, you guys seen that one? Which uh, is seen directly from this film, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So a little music video there. (laughs) Yeah. So in Linnea Quigley's Horror Workout, it uh, fittingly starts with Linnea Quigley taking a shower, and then there's some like Jane Fonda workout aerobic shit. Uh, but then there's also just random like nude scenes from Nia <laughs> Quigley's uh, various films at that point. So you could watch that and, you know, maybe get a little cardio in and still kind of get Nightmare Sisters. Yeah. And a great example, I think, if you, if you want to sum up this movie perfectly, uh, when I was watching it, one of my cats came over and he sat down on the remote and it was he was like repeatedly like it, it was hitting the button that would just automatically like fast forward 30 seconds and it took me a decent chunk of time to realize that that's what was happening uh because well, the I camera you were doesn't just feeding move. him treats so thank you good cat <laughs> good boy no, uh, yeah, so I, I, it literally took me a decent amount of time to be like, oh, I have just fast-forwarded through five <laughs> minutes of this film. I had no idea. See, so there uh, you the, go. And obvious, like, uh, touchstone point again, I'm always coming back to Wynorski, I guess, is, is, and it is something we were talking about, uh, Jack and I were earlier, um, is, uh, which is a breastwick, which Sean was not uh, here for our uh, sort of mini-dive into Wynorski. Uh, earlier this year but uh which is a breswick is a film that uh was the entire aim wynorski's entire aim was to make the thing in three days uh and yeah it's chronicled in this documentary uh but so obviously you could look at the two and say well you know there there's comparisons to be made just because they're both like fuck it we're just making a movie as quickly as humanly possible and 
I don't know. See, I got to that place that Steve describes with Breswick where I was like, this is fucking absurd. Every time, like all the softcore tropes, every time they'd end up back in the same fucking hot tub the 17th time. And at a certain point, yeah, it broke me and I was like cackling at it. But this, this is like too much of a comedy. Like, and it's just like all the jokes are like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) So because it like it, it dances on that line uh, of horror comedy uh, in such in a, a completely and profoundly inept way like i couldn't laugh at it i just wanted it to go off my screen <laughs> mhm yeah yeah that's fair well let's let's hit the fast forward button on our buddy dave shall we so we we kind of go from this golden era in the 1980s for dtv horror and exploitation and from, <laughs> yeah and uh you know we we enter the unclear waters of of the 1990s and this is where dtv stuff starts to get uh, a little little rough so you know budgets are getting tighter timelines are getting shorter old dave isn't he's not afforded the the budgets he was allowed previously and then we enter the amazing digital video era in the early 2000s here. And this is great for low-budget filmmakers like Dave, because if you are a guy who is constantly making movies at the clip of one per week, and you just want to shoot, 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 without any thought towards, you know, what you're shooting necessarily (laughs) this is your time to shine and as i mentioned earlier once we enter this the post 9-11 part of dave dakota's career this is where we get him just raw and uncut and all of his shit is just on display this is him making the things that he wants to make and he's self-producing he's self-financed at this point this is oh this is the rapid heart era of his career, which is his mm-hmm. production company. So. Nobody's saying no to Dave because no. Dave only has to answer to Dave. Yeah. yeah. And this is when we enter the boy shower era. And goddamn, I think Leeches is, it's pretty early on in the, because the boy shower era is still on. Like, oh, yeah. This is two plus decades of boys taking showers. But um, this is one of the very first uh, Rapid Heart films, I believe. So, yeah, this is... This yeah, I think is, this is the absolute first one. Like, this is the genesis of Boys yeah. Taking Showers. Wow, so uh, it's the 20th anniversary of the Boys Taking Showers era. <laughs> yeah, the Boys Taking Showers era. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm glad we're here. With that. We needed something to celebrate this month. Mm-hmm. What what better to celebrate yeah, than this, some... Uh, uh, little White Lies. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll throw this over to them. I'm sure they're great. We're definitely the kind of people they want to deal with. Uh, yeah, and, and this is just, this is fucking wonderful because we mentioned David Dakota just not having any interest in, in the female form. And now, my God, it is on full display and it is fucking glorious because you are, you have this cast of like clear, clearly like these are just like gay dudes from softcore movies. Like that's it. Like there's no question here. And David Dakota has been asked before, he's like, so for all your movies about shirtless gay hunks, where do you, where do you get your, your cast from? Like, who, how do you find these guys? 
And he's like, oh, I don't find them. They find me. So it's just like, <laughs> there's a whole cottage industry of people like, oh, I got to get my fucking headshot to Dave so he can put me in his next hunk movie. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's fucking amazing because it's, this is a movie about a swim team that's taking steroids. And swim team is great because mm -hmm. then you've got Speedos and showers kind of baked in. You don't have to stretch. Uh, but they're all but they like... Should, they should stretch. They and should they stretch. Will. You don't and want to cramp up. <laughs> yeah. And they will. Don't eat 30 minutes before swimming. But yeah, they're, they're just hunks taking steroids, taking showers, taking swims. And they all have girlfriends. <laughs> and it is oh, yeah. fucking amazing. <laughs> there is this shot that I just want, like, I, I want to fucking just get a print of it and frame it. Because it is the most I am disinterested in women shot I have ever fucking seen just blocked up. They're on the dock, right? And a couple of the shirtless guys are talking and their girlfriends are with them. And the way that it's framed, it's like the guys are standing and the women are sitting and the women are just like completely cut off and pushed to the side, even though they're part of the conversation, well, just so like, you could center the hunks. Is this, <laughs> was this shot in, I, I felt at times some of the blocking, like we were watching like the Canon scan. Is that, is, is, was it actually shot in 1.33? Ooh, I don't I, know. The I think it was that. shot on in mini DV personally, but I can't say for sure. Right. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't know if this is the ideal aspect ratio, but whether or not it is, like just the way that it looks is it's unprecedented. Oh yeah. I mean it's a real it's a real delight. Um, IMDB listed as uh, shot in anamorphic, which uh, yeah, I have a hard time so, believing that, uh, but you never yeah, know. I, there's no way there's a shot it also, in the fucking anything. Yeah, it also doesn't list it as digital, but it's digital. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 35 mil. Huh. Um, or at least video. Maybe not digital, but it's not film. Fuck that. I think no, it says film not. print, so I think it's just unspecified what it's shot on. I think, um, uh, but yeah, I, I do think we're missing a little bit on the margins. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a true like you know that that early two thousands um, horror is such a special thing, um, mm -hmm. and here it's it's a true time capsule. Like you know you get that like uh, post uh, scream uh, high school thing, um, like the, all the, all those archetypes are are in there, um, mm -hmm. and ensemble and stuff like that. Um, and the music, like this really goes into like these sort of, I don't know what bands, uh, are included on the soundtrack. <laughs> Steve, you probably got it somewhere, uh, like <laughs> it's all my favorites. in your car. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just like sort of the, uh, it's like, sounds like royalty free alt rock. Um, it, mm. it's, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, but I like the, uh, but we have we haven't even talked about kind of the main premise, which is also, I guess, of its time, um, mm -hmm. is that it's all about PEDs and a PED scandal. Uh, oh, yeah. Straight from on. the headlines. And uh, it's, uh, I think there's a great line where one kid is, is like skeptical and he's like, I heard this. 
let these pills shrink your dick or something. And the guy's like, I have not had that problem. <laughs> I mean, come on. We all know it shrinks your balls, not your dick. Not your dick, yeah. Like, that's I'm good. If yeah. anything, if your balls got smaller, I feel like your dick would look bigger. So think of <laughs> yeah, it that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's cool. But also it has like the creature feature DV thing that is fun. Like, mm-hmm. I was saying it kind of reminded me of like Stuart Gordon. Like you get some of this like, uh, there's a little bit of lab work. Um, a little bit of like, you know, that reanimator, like, kind of throwback stuff. Um, One of the hunks has a Bunsen beaker yeah, set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, the fucking science hunk, he's like, I'm a scientist. It's like, no, you're fucking not. Right, you're just I some fucking that. meathead yeah, with his shirt unbuttoned and he's like doing <laughs> fucking chemistry shit. He what wears glasses doing? in like 30% of his screen time, so he's, <laughs> yeah. he's a nerd. He's a nerd. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how you know. That's how you know. Um, yeah, I, I do. I like the creature effects. It actually reminds me of, uh, like the, the creature effects in William Castle's the the Tingler. It's just the the fucking goofy ass. Like, like it doesn't look like a leech at all, but it's just this practical, just the fucking hand thing. puppet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's great though because I love that he uses that because he could have gone cheap shitty CGI and he doesn't, and it's to the the film's benefit for sure. But then. I, I love the way that he shoots a lot of the, the kills with the leeches, too, because the puppet, you can drag that fucker across the floor and it's fine, uh, or drag it up a, a muscular boy's thigh and, like, zoom in on his package. That, that all works just great. But he knows that he can't, like, convincingly, without making it too silly, do the kill sequences. So it, it, he just goes full early 2000s, which is... When the leeches are killing the hunks, we're just going to hit the button, hit the play button on our fucking new metal butt rock, max volume. And then it's just like he kicks the camera across the room and it's light flashing. And then you just see like little leech mouths popping in. So it's just it, it just makes everything abstract. And it, it works because what are you what are you going to do? A lot of flash uh, frames it, in this. <laughs> whole oh, lot my of flash God, so many fucking seizure warning and a half. Good God. Um. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I love the way that he puts this together because that's how you know he's a guy who, who, I mean, I don't know, he he's invested in what he's doing. He has a certain idea of like what the look is that he's going for because this is cheap, but it could have been fucking cheaper. Yeah. And you get that in Slimeball too. Like I, I keep thinking about how at the end of Slimeball Bolorama, there's a pretty good fucking car stunt, honestly. Like they flip oh, yeah. a, oh, yeah. a cadillac in a mall parking lot and you don't have to have that but he knows that there's certain flourishes and certain touches that may take a little bit more time and a little bit more financial investment but it elevates the film to a certain degree so um, yeah, yeah it, 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 it's, it's just the body becomes such a different thing like you you want to see the shot list for this film uh, uh, a shot that's just a guy fucking stepping out of a lake would have like uh 13 <laughs> it's just like <laughs> where you look at something like nightmare sisters and the camera might as well be fucking like glued to the wall for all the fucking moves uh and this thing yeah it's just it's just a static shot of some oiled up hunk and it's fucking crawling all over him man it's just like a night and day and Mm -hmm. you didn't even mention the scene that showed a total disdain for the female form in, in i i had a different one in mind where uh 
the hunk uh, who was uh, you think is going to be the protagonist. Uh, this movie is a mm-hmm. little uh, <laughs> slippery when it comes to who the fuck you're supposed to care about. But um, he's tied up. He's he's going to bang his girlfriend. She's got him tied up for some <laughs> some oh, S and M play, and she's dressed like a fucking fifties housewife in like a cardigan and this <laughs> ridiculous collared blouse. And he's like. Hey babe, uh, maybe you should uh, show a little more skin, huh? This isn't really warming me up. And <laughs> she hits the radio for the big fucking sleazy movie strip tease, and then she just takes off the sweater and is immediately yeah. like, "Well, gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. That's it. And then, and then, of course, we get endless, endless like slow zoom pushes like up this guy's fucking chest, and then oh yeah. Uh, the leech starts going up his fucking thigh like it's a fucking, I don't know, sentient dick. It's amazing. It's it's really good. Yeah, uh, chicken with him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's really great stuff. It's this where is- he shines, and uh, and thankfully, Sean. Uh, it seems like you enjoyed leeches substantially more than the older work. Uh, yeah, which, I enjoyed leeches more. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm with you on. <laughs> And the good news is, uh, David Dakota has made this movie approximately 75 times. So, you know, yes. you could, uh, you've yeah. got a long well ahead of you if you want to explore this sort of cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's kind of like what I like to hear. I mean, I'm not going to sit down and dig in right now, but, uh, but, you know, if we ever wanted to return... Um, we do a 13 like, 13 month, we'd have to do a full oh, month. No, thir- 13 weeks of 13 13. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to, we'd have to do multiple episodes to get through that fucking series. There's like 15 of yeah. them. Um, but yeah, like uh, stuff like this, you know, that it's this is this is fun. You can watch a lot of these, especially when they're mm-hmm. sort of just one offs. But, um, I mean, yeah, we got to talk to Jack about this nightmare sister situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, what a, what yeah a we're, we're gonna have a conversation with them, uh, but yeah, I I would highly encourage anyone to dig into the hunk era of uh, Dakota's filmography. Like it is, it's it's a rich well, and boy, is it deep. There's a lot, there's a lot to watch, and he's still the, the other good thing about him too is he hasn't lost his uh, his flair for not like coming up with cool titles and, and kind of selling you uh, just with the artwork. Like, I mean, you look at any of his, of his movie covers and, and you know exactly what you're getting from the fucking poster. It's, it's quite clear. But the other thing I love too, is he has not gotten away from the occasional parody either, which I respect. Uh, Sean, if, if you're like, I wish there was a wall street thriller that also involved vampires and just fucking gay dudes doing cool shirtless stuff mm-hmm. uh, might i point you towards the wolves of wall street because that is available <laughs> to you so just just a lot of great stuff out there for, for you to check out when does that come out uh oh it's it's out baby uh <laughs> he, and he probably shot it in four and a half fucking days so uh, yeah and and uh, again the guy's just He's a Teflon. He keeps he keeps working no matter what. Like I think now, honestly, this this weird wrong series that he, he oh, keeps the to be wrong doing series has now so seemingly out, outlasted even thirteen thirteen. It's just like endless of the, these Vivica A. Fox wrong movies. You know, just the wrong everything. It's it's so fucking good. Um, 
And then I, what was the other one too? There's, there's like, oh, the six, six, six series, which is like 1313. It's basically the same shit. Yeah. Um, it's, and, and then he, he also got into the versus films, which were very popular, <laughs> um, from like 2006 through maybe like 2015. So, mm -hmm. uh, he did Bigfoot versus DB Cooper. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Sean. Uh, he also <laughs> familiar got he got on that fucking shark train after sharknado kind of got big so uh he did 90210 shark attack uh another another great one so uh yeah but also yeah. he he made the best puppet master movie which is that's something right puppet that master was, freak. Ocean, but yeah sure <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think good. what uh, what you could say is just looking through his filmography is kind of a an interesting way to understand uh, the video market of like given era. It's like a historical document. It really is. It, it's it's a fucking historical document. Like if you want to look at any period of time and say like what is yeah what's going on as far as DTV cheapy horror whatever the fuck, just look at his filmography. You know, and, and you can see exactly what is popular, yeah. what was selling, what people were consuming. Yep. It's great shit. You want to know what people, what people are watching on demand these days? Well, let me tell you, it's the wrong series. <laughs> the wrong series. Yeah, that's good shit. Maybe that's I should uh, start uh, Dakota podcast. You could. Yeah. You'd have plenty I, of material. Plenty of material. Yeah. It's like you're, you're fucking running out of shit with old Fred, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's no spring chicken, and, uh, you know, you you kind of getting through his movies, and then what do you do? What do you fucking do? Well, you, you switch to another legend. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I think that about wraps things up for old Dave. So, uh, Sean, I, I hope this was an enriching episode for you. I hope you feel uh, spiritually fulfilled. Um, yeah, I mean, um, if next week's episode doesn't pick it up, I might have to go back to picking the directors <laughs> next year. Yeah. We, we might, we might ask for your input a little bit more. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how things go. Oh, well, uh, but Sean, what are you putting over this week? Clive Barker. I think you'll be all right. Yeah, I think you'll be yeah. fucking fine. Yeah. That's, no, I've that's seen some good Clive one. Barker. Um, I think I'm going to put over, so a couple weeks ago, I put over uh, a, an Aki Korsmaki film and um, I, just finished uh, watching his filmography so i don't have a whole lot else to put over other than another one of his movies but what i will do is put over uh, a different kind of korsmaki movie he made um, a series of films about the leningrad cowboys which is a serbian band that uh, came to america and uh, learned uh, rock and roll music basically overnight and um it's it's like a silly comedy um film and they all are but um uh the best one is uh leningrad cowboys uh come to america or go to america and um it's uh it's just if you you know if you think you know Kors monkey but you haven't seen these films and maybe you're you think that those are uh it's not some of his best work i would i would suggest you watch uh cowboys go to america because um just just gag after gag after gag and uh just funny stuff and cool music um so i'll put that over all right miles what are you putting over this week well uh a bit of a spoiler but i'm putting over uh beyond the valley of the dolls which we will 
be covering next month. Um, but yeah, I, I just watched it uh, for my studies, and man, that it, it's it's the only time I've ever thought Roger Ebert was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? This movie is it's truly demented uh, in all the best possible ways. Uh, have a little patience with it. It will probably wear on you to start because the editing is uh, bizarre and frenetic. Uh, and yeah, uh, but once it hits its stride, uh, it's just pure joy for uh, lovers of, of sleaze. It is uh, astonishing piece of work. I, I must say, I, I am in love with it. I thought it was incredible. Um, also, uh, it's one of the uh, one of the stars of the film is Michael Blodgett, uh, who you may remember uh, from our last episode as uh, the blonde hunk in uh, Velvet Vampire. Mm. <laughs> love that. Love it. Little little hunk callback. We love those. Yeah. Well, this week, uh, I'm going to put over something that's like the most obvious shit ever, but it needs to be said. Vertigo. I, uh, I re- <laughs> uh, yeah, Vertigo. You ever heard of it? Uh, no, I, I rewatched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street for like the 10,000th time, and that's it's still a perfect fucking horror movie. It's it's so good. Still haven't um, seen it. You still haven't seen it? What the fuck, dude? I haven't seen that or Friday the 13th. Well, Friday the 13th are, okay, here's isn't a, really essential. <laughs> yeah, the first Friday the 13th. I'm, this is, I don't know. People, people don't understand. I, I don't even think people realize that like Friday the 13th as a franchise, like it, it barely became recognizable for what it is until like what the third entry or some shit. And that one kind of sucks too. But honestly, the I, fourth I, maybe, is really when it, it is yeah, what you oh, think. The fourth it is. is when it fucking pops off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Sean, maybe, maybe we'll have to do some like foundational slasher shit for you next year if you yeah, haven't seen those. That, that's actually, yeah, because I haven't seen like past Halloween. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well that's good. We'll put that one in the hopper. That's nice. Yeah, and I already mentioned that I directed. really want to do... <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Uh, I really want to do William Castle next year, too, because I've been watching a lot of his stuff. Sure, uh, sure. Super, fun. super fun. Uh, but yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street is it's an absolutely perfect movie. And it's obviously like what Freddy Krueger became as a character is he became this kind of like over-the-top, comical uh, character but it's the the tone is fucking amazing in the first one because he's genuinely frightening but also he does just jokey shit but in a way that is both funny and still terrifying as opposed to in the later movies where he would do jokey shit and it was just funny like it wasn't actually scary um you know there's there's this awesome part in the first night around elm street where he just holds up his hand and is just like, watch this. And he just like cuts off his fucking fingers. And it is, it's, it's hilarious and it's gross and it's scary. And it's, it's just so great. So, uh, yeah. What was the last time you watched nightmare on Elm street? Do it again. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Film. It's an incredible film. I will have one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So with that, if you enjoyed the podcast today, do us a big favor, take a look at the podcast description and you will see a link to our Patreon. And once you go to our Patreon, you can give us money. And why would you want to give us money? Well, podcasting is expensive. And, you know, we got we got hosting. Sometimes we got to replace equipment. All kinds of fucking shit's going on here, man. Uh, but if you give us money, it's not like you don't get anything in return. Because for any donation at all, first of all, you get access to a giant back catalog of old Optimism Vaccine uh, episodes that are 
Patreon exclusive and, and also written content and then a uh, bunch of new shit too that we record whenever we can. We, I think we got another one cooking for you guys, a, a patron exclusive, because there's all kinds of uh, trash horror that's being dumped into your local multiplex this month. So uh, Myros and I may wade into that. Oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta see report. those two possessed children, you know, and figure out what was happening before there was a pet cemetery and pet cemetery, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, Sean, geez, here's a guy, he's always like, oh, what are we gonna do, David Gordon Green for Sean Tober? <laughs> I love David Gordon Green. That's, that's <laughs> all he ever fucking talks about. <laughs> crazy, it's crazy. This motherfucker, he stands in his living room looking at his big mouth Billy Bass while the fish is singing to him. He just repeatedly, like it's a mantra, he just says, I love David Gordon Green. Oh, I thought he said he will dies fish. tonight. Well, I'm a big um, better joke. of Avalanche guy. Mm, that makes sense. Prince of uh, Avalanche, but yeah. whatever the fuck that thing is <laughs> what a, What's the no, worst like David Gordon Prince, Green movie? Prince Avalanche. I mean, it's gotta uh, be the Halloween... Uh, it's gotta be the new Exorcist kills? thing, I would think. Halloween Kills? Is that, is that the second one? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, oh, what about Your Highness? You like Your Highness? I've Don? never seen that, personally. I just, I just fucking love that, like... I don't know. They're like, yeah, the guy who made Your Highness, we should let him reboot Halloween. I was, I was getting confused, <laughs> confused with Year One. Mm. Yeah, you know, two, two greats. So I, Next month, we'll, we'll do them both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure, for sure. Especially because we're, we're specifically focusing on erotic films next <laughs> <Yeah>. month. <so. laughs> Nothing more erotic than your highness. Yeah, it's got Natalie Portman's buns in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, you fucking kidding me? Sign me up for those buns. <laughs> uh, another another movie that should be just just keep that in the Mister Skin category. You don't fucking need to watch that shit. Anyways, uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, giving us money. So yeah, give us money. Uh, also, if you donate at a higher tier, say you give us five dollars. Uh, that allows you to vote on future episodes. We occasionally put up polls and we say, hey, what the fuck do you guys want? And then you get to vote in those polls. And if you're five and above, you also get your name read out on the air. So, Myros, who are our five and above patrons this month? We have David, CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Every single one of them, absolute fucking saints. And then, of course, if you're like, I really want these guys to cover a, a very specific thing uh, i want to dictate the podcast me i gotta have it that's great you can do that Man, donate 25 dollars. I, I want that if that's you i'm, I'm baby and i have yeah. to have it if that's you there's a perfect opportunity yeah <laughs> if you are francis from peewee's big adventure uh then let me tell you give us 25 dollars and you can live the dream and we actually have uh, another exciting patron request episode coming up next month we're, we're so excited to do it that uh, Myros somehow, not only are we doing that episode, but we're theming an entire month of November around uh, this, this stuff. So. See, this is what could happen with your donation. You know, if it's something that we're vibing on, you might not just get one episode. We might balloon it out into some grand yeah, exploration of things you're interested in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three months, <laughs> you could be the next Johnny Or, or uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, show brawl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know what you're going to get. So, uh, yeah, give us money. It's worth it. Now, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, uh, if, if you just want a direct line to tell Sean how big of a piece of shit you think he is, 
optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us, blue sky us at, uh, at optimismvaccine. We're around. We're on the fucking internet. You can find us. Uh, yeah. So with that, we'll be back next week with the final episode of Sean Tober. See you then.